Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here back in the studio hoping to uh, help you on your journey to uh, more fun in the field with your dog and with your friends. We'll be talking about those two topics today as well as uh, what you like to listen to as you're driving to your hunting destination. And the main topic today, uh, I've got so many questions from you over the last few weeks that uh, I thought it was time to address them. Many of them are timely in that they are probably uh, things you should think about uh, or maybe do as you get ready for your own opening day if it's still to come. I know some of you have been out already. I heard a great dove hunting report. Nato, thanks for sharing that with me. Uh, I've heard a number of prairie grouse stories and even a couple rough grouse stories. So yeah, but if your opening day is coming up or even if it's already passed, there's something in the Q&A today for you. All right, we're brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, True Lock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, LandTrust.com, and High Viz Shooting Systems. See what you've been missing. Boy, maybe I ought to pay closer attention to that one. Oh my, well, what what you been up to? Well, uh, we'll get to that in just a moment or two over here. It's uh, decommissioning the big travel trailer, done with that for the year, and getting the little travel trailer ready for our, you know, one person, one dog uh, hunts. Uh, looking forward to uh, the maiden voyage coming up in just a couple days. We'll talk more about uh, that as well. Uh, getting our first chucker hunt plans finalized. Uh, we open on Saturday and so do a lot of other states. Uh, in fact, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, um, uh, dilemma here is, do we start the season in Oregon or Nevada? We decided on both. <laughs> Easy enough for us to do, knock wood. Um, got uh, the truck reconfigured for hunting season, uh, 10 more gallons of diesel fuel on the roof, five gallons of gasoline for the generators and everybody else's trucks. We're all ready to go. Uh, you are too. Uh, lots of training, final, you know, finishing touches on the training, it looks like. And then a lot of you uh, asking questions about young dogs. And, and maybe that's another Q&A uh, session for down the road, uh, the kind of the young dog edition. So we'll see what's going there. I did uh, want to ask, because I'm always curious about what you're thinking, and uh, recently on um, uh, social media I asked, what defines opening day success for you? And once again, I'm, I'm entirely gratified and not surprised at, at your answers. Uh, this was a survey that I also did on my uh, weekly Upland Nation Insights newsletter. And here, here are the numbers so far. Number one on the list, stellar dog work. Yeah, 41% of you said that's a great opening day for you. And, and I know what you mean. You know, if you listen to that uh, last podcast on our Hungarian uh, partridge hunt in Montana, um, 
I said something that somebody else said to me years ago, and that is, all you need is one moment or two that works with your dog, and then that makes your day. As long as another hellacious moment doesn't occur later, that is. Okay, so number one on the list, great dog work. Number two on the list, friends and family that I hunt with. 36% of you said that's the highlight of your opening weekend. Um, Heavy game bag, (laughs) not even 6% of you. Yeah, right on. And the place I go, 17% of you. So those numbers just tell me a lot about why we really go hunting and and what's important to us, uh, whether it's opening day or anything else. So uh, hopefully you'll get some of that this opening day, or if you already had yours, you'll get another one down the road. It's all uh, part of the game we play, and uh, that's, that's the joy of it, isn't it? We're brought to you in part by LandTrust.com. My recent experience with, with that um, incredible app, I'll call it, uh, was very positive. Uh, you can shop for places you want to hunt. You can choose the places you want to book. The prices are affordable. You get exclusive private land access. It takes all the stress out of planning. And it allows you to enjoy great time afield with your dog and your friends. What else could you want? Create a free account on LandTrust.com and then start shopping for places that you'd like to go and have a high-quality experience at a very affordable price. This is all private ranches, private farms, you have complete and total access to all of their great hunting or fishing, for that matter. Learn more at LandTrust.com. And, of course, TrueLockChokes.com. They have choke tubes for any shooting activity. Just about wrapping up the dove season almost everywhere, except in California, where you get another two weeks coming up. Uh, but um, if you are... Um, done with doves swap out those new true lock dove chokes and put in your pheasant your quail your partridge your rough grouse chokes they've got something for everybody the key being high quality materials and very artful and effective engineering take yourself to school on choke tubes at truelockchokes.com T-R-U-L-O-C-K truelockchokes.com Lifetime warranty and a satisfaction guarantee at truelockchokes.com Well, I'm, I, I appreciate the fact you think I might be able to help you by asking questions of me. Uh, most of the time, I've learned this stuff the hard way, and if that saves you from learning it the hard way as well, all the better. So let's just jump in on some of the questions I've gotten over the last few weeks and, and answer those with with my own experience. Ideally, that's the best way to describe the answers you're going to get. If you have your, if you have a different answer, more power to you. Share it with me. I'm always trying to learn something from you as well. So uh, let's just jump right in. Jeff Araberry asked me about foot care products for his dog. Not for him, he says. Just making sure. 
Um, and he uses bag balm, and, and I got no problems with that. I, I, I like that product, too. I've got other uses for it as well. But uh, my, my regimen goes like this, and, and it's been many I shouldn't even talk about it, but it's been many years since I've had a serious pad issue while I've been using this. Uh, the the morning of every hunt, I put pad coat, P-A-D-K-O-T-E, pad coat from Happy Jack. It smells funny. It's purple as all get out. You don't want to get it on anything important because it will stain. But pad coat is uh, a mixture of a number of ingredients that I can't even recall, but they're all kind of almost natural ingredients, if you want to use that term, that uh, will will prepare the pad for a rough day of field. And, and it seems to work. And then after every hunt, and then during, you know, during the week, even when we're not hunting, a couple, three times a week, I'll put uh, some human product on uh, Flix pads as well. Uh, the one I like, uh, learned it by by sheer accident, is Profoot. That's the brand name, Profoot Heel Rescue. It's um, for some reason it works. Uh, it is uh, it's a cream. It's in a you know the pump dispenser bottle, which is what I like most about. I could set it on the, the training table and use one hand to do that while I got the dog's foot in my other hand. Profoot Heel Rescue. Now the key with both of these products is. You know, a lot of times your dog's pad problems are really, you know, on the edges, the nooks and crannies, that little gap between the nail and the pad. So make sure you get these products into all the nooks and crannies and do it on a regular basis. Uh, you know, that, that, that seems to be the key for us at least. And it, like I said, it's been working. The other thing I remind you is, uh, dogs have that, um, I think they call it a tarsal pad. Uh, that's the one that the, the, on the front legs, it's like their thumb. It's up a few inches on their front legs. Make sure you do the same treatment on that as well. In the last three or four years, the only torn pad Flick has had was there. Boy, how embarrassing. I'd never even thought about putting anything there until then. Anyway, hope that helps, Jeff, and anybody else who's looking for ways to extend their dog's time in the field and keep their feet healthy, happy, and running at full tilt boogie. Warren Tamargo asks, what dog energy bar um, I would recommend? And hydration drink as well. You know, back in the day, and I, I searched long and hard for that, and I only wish I could still offer that that um, <clears throat> crunch pemmican bar that I used to distribute. Not available anymore uh, readily, so um, I had to search for something else, and maybe I can help you save some time and effort in that as well. Got to remember, first off, that in the field, uh, unlike humans who rely on uh, simple carbohydrates for, quote, instant energy, unquote, dogs get their instant energy from fat. The challenge becomes how do you give your dog fat without a lot of volume because you don't want a full belly and a full gastrointestinal tract while he's hunting just for mechanical reasons and for uh, more um, biological reasons as well. So, so what do you give them? Well, I've settled on raw egg yolks. No, I don't. <laughs> 
no, I, I take a couple, <clears throat> put them in one of those backpacker squeeze tubes, you know, that has a, you can open the one end, it's big, you can drop a couple egg yolks in there, close that up, squish them around, and then squeeze a little bit out the other end when the dog comes up and checks in with you every hour or two. A couple raw egg yolks a day uh, gives him a lot of fat. Egg yolks are virtually all fat. I've never met a dog that wouldn't eat a raw egg yolk. And they're easy to care if you put them in the squeeze tube. Uh, just every morning, part of your routine, just crack a couple eggs, <clears throat> put the whites in your omelet, or um, save them for after the hunt for your dog. And um, see what happens. I think you might be surprised. Oh. Yeah, still making the worst coffee in camp, but nobody else wants to, so I'll keep doing it. <clears throat> Water, hydration, post-hunt. I, 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 straight water works for me during the day. Um, there are all sorts of things you could add, and some of them might have value. I haven't explored that a lot because I've never had a real problem with a dog in the field. Uh, he'll take straight water, and, and that's good. In fact, I use that as a reward on hot days instead of a treat, for example, with a young dog. But at the end of the day, I am a big believer in um, helping your dog's muscles recover, especially if you're going to hunt that dog the next day. And the science is out there. It's very clear that um, getting a dog's glycogen replaced it's a, yeah, I don't know what it, what you'd call it, a, a nutritional element. <clears throat> Replacing the glycogen in a dog system uh, does one thing. It helps muscle cell walls rebuild themselves. How do you get glycogen in? Well, you can't just buy it and put it in a pill and, and give it to the dog. You have to give them maltodextrin. Now, the weightlifters learned this a long time ago, and I've learned it in the last five or eight years, but getting some form of maltodextrin into your dog immediately after the hunt, and the science tells us 15 to 30 minutes is the latest after the hunt to get that into your dog. There's a lot of products out there that have a form of maltodextrin. The one I like the most is called Glycocharge. Just Google it, Glycocharge. It's got a liver flavor to it, and that, I think, helps the dog take it up right after hunt when sometimes they won't drink otherwise. The key to maltodextrin intake is don't mix it with anything with fat. That just inhibits the uptake. So give it to your dog right after the hunt, and then wait 16 to 90 minutes before you feed because um, you want that glycocharge to do its magic right there in the dog's system before you slow it down again with something that has fat in it. And ideally, your dog food has 20% fat, maybe a little more during the season. Frank Sanchietti, uh, thanks again for being a great correspondent. appreciate all your questions. Uh, you asked about hunting, pheasant hunting spots in the Bay Area of California, which <laughs> on its surface is, you know, one of those head scratchers. It really is. Um, uh, there aren't a lot. In fact, uh, there are very few. There no, there may be wild pheasants in California, but um, not very many anymore. And I have that on good authority from my personal experience, and also from a good buddy who basically lived in the best pheasant country in California until they vanished. But anyway, there are places to hunt on a preserve 
near the Bay Area in California. There's two places. I like one. I've been there uh, many years ago. But the guys at Bird's Landing uh, over there in the East Bay, uh, you can Google them, Bird's Landing Hunting Preserve. And then also the Hastings Island Hunting Preserve in Rio Vista. So, Frank, check out both of those. Uh, Give me a full report, uh, and let's get some dog pictures from you, too. That's the least you can do. All right, I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Your questions, my answers, hopefully they are helping you. Um, Feel free to spread the word and ask more questions. So many ways to ask me a question. Um, The best way, go to findbirdhuntingspots.com and then click on the contact us because those come right to my email inbox. That's the easiest way. Sometimes I can't negotiate my way around Twitter what is that other one called? Instagram, um, even Facebook. Sometimes, I, I I I don't get around to those, or I don't don't know how to get around to them. But anyway, here we are, and I've got a great question from Don Floyd. Don asks, "I'm new to Arizona. Where can I hunt for upland birds?" I live in Surprise, Arizona, which, number one, is, is the second best uh, uh, town name in the Southwest. The number one on my list, at least, is Tuba City. Uh, anyway, Arizona is a mecca, especially uh, late winter. Uh, the weather's good. There's some exotic species uh, you want to put on your life list, and, and you might actually enjoy that kind of Southwest uh, vibe that you get with cactus and sand and all sorts of interesting skies um there's there's any number of places to go um bullhead city which is right on the colorado river that's got some gambles quail north to tombstone will put you into scaled quail of course the the legends uh are patagonia and Sonoida way down south on the border there that's where you'll find the Mearns quail uh there's lots of national forest oak woodlands uh, and a lot of hills so uh, get in shape for those and see uh see how that works for you i expect a full report don and good luck to you and you know speaking of that sort of thing uh let me put in a plug for that website again find birdhuntingspots.com that's what it's about now i'm not going to give you the latitude and longitude but there are dozens and dozens of articles on various places to go and start your own exploration um boy i'm just off the top of my head i'm thinking i've got something in there from nebraska i got some a bunch of kansas stuff i have a ton of uh oregon and nevada uh just about i bet well, I've hunted in 26 states, so um, I bet most of those states have a story or two that will get you at least to the right place on the map to begin your own exploratory drives. Find birdhuntingspots.com. We have a lot more to go, and uh, I am just barely getting started on the questions and answers And looking forward to having more of those as we get deeper into this Upland Nation podcast. It's all about you and solving your problems and helping you become a better bird hunter and dog owner. The next question will be from Ryan Roberts, so hang on for that. We'll also have, well, your own recommendations on the music that you love 
when you're driving to your hunting spot. So stick around for all of that right after this uh, quick commercial announcement. For sageandbreaker.com, I just, like I said, I mentioned uh, earlier that I got my truck all configured for the season, and that means everything from dog food to first aid to extra water in three different places, uh, and all my Sage and Breaker products. Um, I am not going to get caught uh, without all the stuff that I need to keep my guns in functional working order during the season. That means, you know, every night after a hunt or at the end of a trip, I'm going to do these things. So I have in the truck is my Sage and Breaker gun cleaning mat. I've got that CLP, that spray on cleaning, lubricating and protecting that goes on every night after a hunt. I clean out the bores with those uh, three-in-one bore cleaning system. I'll usually leave the detachable brush, <coughs> uh, brass brush on so that everything comes out, whether I ended up sticking that muzzle in the mud or not. It all comes back to me out the muzzle end thanks to that uh, bore snake-like cleaning product. Also, I've got a little bit of their uh, firearms grease. And let's see, I've also got a set of uh, cleaning tools just in case there's some really heavy gunk in there. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. Put it all in your truck for this season alongside your pointer shotgun. Yeah, there's so many choices anymore. I'm hearing so many great things, especially about that 28 gauge over and under you want to take a look at the entire product selection at pointershotguns.com. And remember, there's a youth model. There's all sorts of Cerakote colors from uh, green to bronze to gray. Case coloring on most models. And then traditional nickel silver receivers, for example. Check out the new side-by-sides. I am taking mine along. Learn more at PointerShotguns.com. And Ryan Roberts, thanks for waiting. Uh, your question is about uh, a new GPS model. He's seen uh, some of the uh, models I've used on television before and wonders if I'm still using some of those. Yeah, depending on which episode you've seen, uh, you ask in particular about the Garmin Astro. That's long gone. It, it was a great product. I, I loved it, but it didn't have a training uh, component to it. No, no shock, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't use the stimulation very often, but I do like some of the other things I've got now on the Sport Dog Tech 2.0. You know, they were the first people to come out with a GPS collar. Yeah, and, and they've done nothing but improve it. Um, thank you, Sport Dog, for coming up with a practical, relevant way to handle your dog in the field. Gives you everything you need. G, uh, GPS, of course, stimulation. And then two things that I'm using a lot now, um, the vibration component and the tone component. Doesn't have a beeper. I, in fact, I don't know any GPS that has a beeper, but uh, who needs it? But uh, 
you know, Garmin uh, came second to the party. They they um, kind of had had to work out some bugs there, and and those alphas. Uh, you know, I hear a few good things, but I've never had the chance to try one. Nope, they just won't. For some reason, they just won't send one my way, and uh, I don't need one. That Sport Dog Tech 2.0 Ryan ought to do you very well, and um, I got to tell you. The customer service has been excellent. I've called them with dumb questions, with goofy things that I've done, and they've solved every problem for me right there on the spot. Brad Brandt lives in Wisconsin. Wonders if there are any shooting schools or places to learn in Wisconsin. Yes, uh, and more power to you. You know, most of you listeners told me that you would be willing to or have already taken a shooting lesson or two. Man, I am a believer. We're going to bring more of that stuff back into play with uh, with Dave and Vandy Fiedler from Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. Um, but for now, here's my best suggestion, and, th- and this works pretty well. Um, the National Sporting Clays Association uh, has a long list of instructors Many of them are hunters as well, and I think that's the key. When you're taking a lesson, make sure this person understands, well, we got a dog, we got rocks, we got trees, we got... Go to nsca.org and then look for the list of instructors. You'll find somebody nearby who will be happy to help you, and believe me, it will be money well spent. Good luck to you. Chuck Jones is looking for uh, hunting recommendations between Bozeman and Dillon, Montana. Yeah, just back there. And you're going to have a good year. So good luck. Uh, I wish I could come back again. Um, you know, I don't know much about the forest grouse near Bozeman. I do have a friend of a friend who uh, who does hunt the roughies out that country up to Rock Creek and in that area. I uh, can't give you much on that, but I do know that if you're willing to drive a little bit further east from Dillon to Big Timber, you'll find sharp-tailed grouse and probably a few huns, but mainly sharpies out in that country. And there's lots of uh, block management country out there. Had some great times in that area in the past, and uh, I'm sure you will too. So just start doing your homework, uh, Chuck, and, and you'll find something out near Big Timber, Montana, which, by the way, is ironic. I've never seen any big trees out there. <laughs> Rod Scott, um, with, thank you for the compliment, Rod Scott. Appreciate that. Uh, you're sh- shopping for a new hunting vest or backpack. Um, Rod is, um, you know, you you call yourself narrow framed. Uh, maybe I, I'm going to call you average height, but man, I wish I weighed what you weighed. Um, and you're targeting roughies with some pheasants. So you walk several miles from a vehicle. And I think that's the key point. Uh, you need to carry water shells, first aid, blah, blah. We all need to do that. And you've looked at some of the backpack styles that, um, that may serve you well. I understand all of that. And I am with you on that. Um, as you all have heard, I've consulted on six different vest designs over the years. I think most of them will serve you right if you just stick to a couple things. Number one, adjustability, especially considering your svelte physique. 
Um, there are uh, a number of manufacturers who will accommodate that in several ways. Uh, a couple of the guys I like right now are Hunt Ready and Final Rise. There are other things that are important as well besides fit. And those guys will help you with fit right on the phone before you even send any money. So remember that. The key to a long hunt is water capacity and where it rides and then how it rides. So look at that. I like it up high, just like the old days in the backpacking world. You want your heaviest stuff up high and as close to your back as you can. So look for that. And then the other thing that I'm still working on with everybody in that world is that water and all other heavy weights need to be attached firmly and directly to the hip belt. The hip is where you're supposed to be bearing most of the weight. So look at the designs, see if you can figure that out. Again, my friends at Hunt Ready and Final Rise are the guys who are doing it best right now. Uh, they'll work with you on all of those things. Uh, the other thing I'm enjoying is uh, is watching, um, uh, you know, how they evolve. So uh, learn more about them, and good luck. I bet you'll find one that'll work for you. John Caffey is going to Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, great place. Boatner's Store, the coldest beer in town. We used to go in there after painting houses all day in the summer. 33 degrees inside the beer cooler and they'd let you just hang out there they 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 know what we were up to we'd buy something and everything would be good again anyway john caffey uh wants some desert quail hunting recommendations well i talked earlier uh about some of those near tucson in fact near tucson let me just go back there and, and remind you um Wilcox, the town of Wilcox is east of Tucson, and it's got some scale quail hunting around the Steel Hills and Allen Flat areas. So, so if you're in that country, that's an easy drive for you. If you want to go further south, uh, and Tucson is uh, kind of the jumping off point for all of that Patagonia and Sonoida area, check out my friends at Border to Border Outfitters if you're looking for a guide. Dave Brown Outfitters also, he's based in Patagonia part of the year. The other thing, and, and just because a lot of people have asked me this in the last few weeks, I want to go to Arizona and hunt, uh, hunt, hunt quail in October. Well, it's so hot. And in fact, a lot of those guys down in Patagonia and Sonoida, that, that great Merns and, and Scaled and, and, and Gamble's quail country, they don't even start hunting until December. The pro guides are, are working elsewhere until then. That's how hot it gets down there. So be careful. Take care of your dog. Try some of those spots. Troy Swift wants one of my secret spots in the Great Basin out here in the West. Uh, you know, um, I would suggest all of you take a look at that Gundog uh, magazine article I wrote last September on the Great Basin. It, it hits a lot of those spots. And I don't mean, again, I'm not going to tell you where to camp and where to walk, but if you want to start in Nevada, Interstate 80 goes from Reno all the way across to Utah. Any place there's a yellow blotch, that's Bureau of Land Management property, and it is uh, a good place to start at least. Good uh, towns to base in are Elko, Winnemucca, 
If you want to go a little bit further north from there, then you can take a look at some of the little towns along the Oregon-Idaho border or the Oregon-Nevada border. Um, those are all worth a look. My general advice uh, about the Great Basin is find a big river. Then find little rivers that come off it. A lot of that will be public ground in one way, shape, or another. And uh, there's almost always birds somewhere on those kind of drainages. It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of climbing. Some stark country. So go prepared. But uh, maybe I'll see you out there, Troy. Spending a lot of time in the Great Basin this season. So anybody else watch for my truck? Come over and say hello. The coffee's always on. Matthew Kuyper asks uh, about North Dakota. Taking his one-year-old large Munsterlander, uh, should he bring the big truck or would his station wagon suffice? His key is he doesn't want to be limited in the areas he can hunt, and it seems like a lot of that hunting is off of the main roads. Yeah, well, you're making all the right assumptions, Matthew. And you know, I'm just you know, my truck is you know uh, kind of the Swiss Army knife of of motor vehicles. I carry everything I need, not just to get myself out of trouble, but maybe to get other people out of trouble as well. And you, you know, you can't do wrong bringing your big truck and all the stuff you can carry, especially if the weather goes sideways. You know, I'd rather play it safe. Um, you know, you want to bring uh, a come along if you don't have a winch. You want to bring a uh, 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 what we call a, a, a jerk strap uh, to bounce other people out of a ditch, for example. You want to bring a couple different kinds of jacks. You want to bring uh, uh, all your, of course, first aid and survival gear. Um, the other things that will get you out of trouble, uh, you know, a shovel, some extra fuel, all that stuff in your station. Number one, I don't know if your spouse would appreciate all that, but maybe you don't have room for it. So take the big truck, take a nice cozy spot for your large, and uh, and enjoy the trip. Love to have a report from you. And in fact, I think I'm going to talk to somebody later in this broadcast about places to go in North Dakota. So if you're looking for those as well, pay attention, Matthew Kuyper and anybody else headed that way. Ed Abley asks about those uh, duct tape boots that I advocate for. And, and you know, I know you all have your, your own opinion about dog boots. Um, mine uh, uh, is this. First off, you, you buy store-bought boots, and the and and they out here they don't last but a day if they don't fall off first, and you never find them until the next season. So, so it's a it's a DIY boot for me, and I've been through them all—the motorcycle uh, inner tube, for example, and all of that. And I know a lot of you believe in those Lewis boots, and uh, hey, more power to you. They don't last on the lava rock that we have out here. Uh, or they fall off unless you do some pretty vicious things to attach them to your dog. I've 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 just I've just defaulted to duct tape. The key with duct tape is loose. It doesn't need to be tight. It just sticks. Some people will do this first. They'll put on a baby sock on their dog's foot, and then they'll put the duct tape over that. That's great. Uh, maybe some vet wrap at the top, but again, 
you'll pull a little bit of dog hair off when you take the tape off, but not much. By the time you take it off, it's pretty much ready to go off. Or it's already fallen off. We were hunting one time in a in a, in a, a canyon in Nevada, I think, and uh, we had ended the season the year before there, and we were starting the season that year. And I was walking along, and I do too much navel gazing and looking at my feet because I don't want to fall off a cliff. And down at my feet is one of Flick's duct tape boots from last year. <laughs> So they fall off too, but when a duct tape boot falls off, you're out eight cents, not $12. So consider that if you're cheap like me. All right, Ed, so here's how you do it. And by the way, uh, go to findbirdhuntingspots.com. I do have an article on them and a couple photos there, but here's the basic idea. Um, Take about a foot of duct tape. Lay it sticky side up on a table tailgate whatever put your dog's foot at the mid spot the middle spot there put the sole of his foot right there then slowly and loosely spiral both ends loosely did i mention loosely Spiral, like a Roman sandal, you know, uh, cross over, cross over, wrap around, cross over, cross over, wrap around, until it gets up to about that carpal pad on the front and to about their elbow, if I can call it that, on their back legs. Uh, that should keep it anchored to your your dog's leg pretty well. Um, it'll fall off eventually. If it doesn't, it's pretty easy to remove afterwards. Yeah. Keep it loose. Your dog, <laughs> if he's never had that hap- uh, that kind of thing on before, is always hilarious. They do lose a little bit of traction, so you want to practice all this. Uh, you don't want to do it right before your first hunt of the year with a dog who's never experienced it. Anyway, uh, there you go. Duct tape boots, my choice for all sorts of reasons. My CPA and my bookkeeper appreciate it as well. George Quinlan, thank you so much for opening my eyes to so many things about dog behavior. Um, George asks about porcupines. Uh, he um, he remembers, you know, getting lucky with one of his dogs at a place I know very well. I've been less than lucky with a couple of my dogs. How do you pull them out? Do you cut the tips off before you pull out those porcupine quills? Uh, You know, a lot of people say yes. Some people say no. Well, the veterinarians I talk to say don't cut them. Um, I see one practical reason not to cut them. As you well know, um, they're going to work their way further and deeper into your dog. That's the way they work. If you cut off the end before you try to pull them out, you've just lost another quarter inch or more of grabbing space. And as you are frantically working on his right cheek, the ones you cut off on the left cheek may be working their way in deeper and deeper. And it does happen. Yeah, I got finally got to the last one on uh, Buddy's gum in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, you are checking in your dog's mouth, right? All right, so the last one had basically 
you know, it was waving goodbye as it got embedded in his gum. And that, that one quill back in the day was $101 to remove. It was minor surgery by then. So don't come off. Uh, it, it does, it's not going to make it easier to pull them. Uh, it's it never, been, never been proven. And good luck. George, great to hear from you. Hope all is well out there in, uh, in uh, New England. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Dave, by the way, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here answering uh, most of your questions with, I hope, useful information. Uh, and that's my goal today. We also have coming up very soon, uh, your choices on traveling music for that next long drive to your favorite hunting spot. So hang on for that. But first, another question from David Johnson. He has a young male wire hair, running hard and well. Is there a supplement you might recommend to keep condition on a young, hardworking dog? Yeah, boy, I, I tell you, I was a little bit worried about Flick going into uh, that first sharp tail and Hungarian partridge hunt we did this year. Uh, he was... Uh, you know, you couldn't very well see his ribs unless the light was right and the planets were in alignment. And I don't like that. I like a dog to be relatively svelte, relatively trim, even going into the season. Well, in one day, all that changed. I mean, he burnt so many calories over the course of that three-day hunt. It was unbelievable. So I I do this. That's that's the miracle of dogs. They will burn calories so fast. And if you're like me, you don't hunt, you don't feed in the morning of a hunt, so the dog's already behind by 50% at the end of the day. So here's what I do, and you can consider this as well. Um, again, fat, fat plus protein. Those are the things that are important to keep weight on a dog if you need to. And I found one real handy supplement for that. It's called Gainer, and it's from Elements Nutrition. So if you just go to elements.dog, yeah, elements.dog is where you'll find the entire selection. The one I like is Gainer. It's powder. You can put it on your dog's food. I haven't met a dog that won't eat it right up. Uh, and in fact, it might even encourage uh, a picky eater, a hard keeper to... Uh, to um, eat a little bit more. I also feed a little bit more, but not too much more because the dog's GI tract can only handle so much. Feed a high quality food, add some gainer to it. That's what I do. Uh, it's probably the most healthful way to keep your dog's condition up. Jim Anderson is asking me about the right places to go in North Dakota and I mentioned that I was going to talk more about that. Uh, I love North Dakota. Uh, it's South Dakota without all the crowds. You got to work a little harder because not many people go there and, the, and, and the hunting uh, infrastructure, the economy is a little less developed than it is in uh, South Dakota but there's still incredible places to go and also other neat stuff. For example, Theodore Roosevelt National Park if you're up there, make a side trip. It's a one-day trip, but it's worth it. Okay, so you're you're looking for South Dakota hunting destinations uh, from Alabama. Wow, good luck to you. I would start with Mott, M-O-T-T. -T. It was a running joke for a while, and then I went there. 
Yeah, they've got their own version of a walk-in program, uh, and it's pretty good. And that's where you'll find pheasants, and uh, if you're in the right place, sharp-tailed grouse, especially south, I think it's south of Mott, yeah. Um, so watch for all of that. And then, of course, Dickinson is the, is the most well-known pheasant spot in North Dakota. Had some incredible times there in a blizzard. Out of one thicket jumped the fattest whitetail buck I've ever seen. He jiggled when he ran off. And then there's the Enchanted Highway near Regent, right in that same area. You're driving down the road, going from Mott to Dickinson or wherever, and there's an incredible collection of metal sculptures along the highway. All fun, all beautiful, and hey, the hunting's pretty good too. <laughs> oh my, Mike Palmer, uh, thank you for sharing what you shared with me. I won't go into all the details there, but Mike, I know, um, I know how that works. And the upshot of your question, do you ever do any shows where you hunt without a dog? No, I don't. I've seen some of those. And, and uh, you know, based on what we talked about earlier in the podcast, that's why we go hunting in large part. Yeah, there are other things, too. And, in fact, that's the other part of your question I'll get to in just a moment. But, um, no, for me, it's all about the dog work. And I think that's what people like about Wing Shooting USA, my TV show, or anybody else's for that matter, or just going with anybody, period. So um, if you don't have a dog, and, and I understand, or you don't have a hunting partner, and that's part two of your question anymore, I got some suggestions for you that will put you back into the swing of things on both those. Pretty simple, too. And you're doing a good turn. Join a dog club. NAVDA chapter, NASTRA, whatever it is. Help out. Find one that does regular training days, uh, has some events, uh, maybe has hunt tests or trials that you can pitch in and help out at. All of those things are going to put you, hey, right back into the mix with people who are looking for hunting partners and looking you looking for people who have dogs already. Yeah, the running joke with a lot of people is you, 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 the, the, key to, uh, the key to this whole game is find somebody with a good dog. Then you don't need one of your own. And, and, and to a degree, it's true. And, and when you're ready for a new one, you'll probably also be able to find somebody who's willing to recommend a breeder or they have a litter on the ground or whatever. So pay your dues as a volunteer with one of the dog clubs in the area. Go to the events. Pitch in. Somebody's going to sidle up to you and say, hey, what are you doing next Saturday? Um, especially if you bring the coffee, if it's better than mine. And it'll be good therapy for you, too. Mike, I wish you the best. I know it's a challenge. I know it's a challenge. So um, get back into it, and that is one way to do it. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, we have uh, your favorite traveling music and a recommendation in that world as well if you're like me. So stick around for that right after this. For highvizsites.com. Yeah, see what you've been missing. Now, you know, we all have our own styles, but all of them, when we're shooting, rely on some relationship between the muzzle and the target. Now, ideally, everyone will tell you, no, it's subconscious. You don't look at the muzzle. You don't look at the... You still want to 
in the back of your head, you want to know where it is. Well, that's what a high-vis site can do for you. That's why their original equipment on Smith & Wesson, Benelli, Browning, Remington. Learn more about them at highvizsites.com. That's H-I-V-I-Z sites.com. All sorts of simple, way. hey, if I can install one, you can install one. Most of the time, it's a stinking magnet. Anybody knows how to work one of those. Or little tiny screw that anybody can figure out and they'll walk you through it if you need the help highvizsites.com you'll be a better shooter and you'll also be a better hunter if you're shopping at midwayusa.com just got some more non-toxic ammunition from midwayusa.com yeah heading to california later this year in fact i'll keep you posted um you got everything's non-toxic down there. So um, got some of that. I've recently had uh, apparel, camping gear, and even firearms if you're looking for them. It's all at MidwayUSA.com. They carry just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Sign up for their emails or text notifications, and you'll get 10% off your next order. Yeah, even if you're already a customer, your next order, as long as you sign up, 10% off. Make a good long list, stock up for the season, save a boatload of money at MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, so I asked uh, <coughs> on Facebook recently, and I put, yeah, I like it. I, I put a picture of Prince on the post because number one I like a lot of his music number two the guy's an incredible guitarist I'm not going to go into that argument yeah you may think it's Eric Clapton but I think it's Stevie Ray but um, ask the question when you're on the road heading for your next hunt what will you listen to and uh, I really enjoyed your answers uh, number one number two it, it made me um it made me remember um, a podcast that I really enjoy. If you're a music nerd like me, you might enjoy it too. Strong Songs, written by a, a guy like me, uh, a, a geek who went to music school. He's, a, he's now a performer, but he also is an incredible educator. And he talks about every style of music. Strong Songs. Yeah, good luck. Um, here are some of your answers to your favorite traveling music. Petey Jaquette. Um, yeah, I remember the days I would listen to Orion Samuelson and Max Armstrong as well. They had an agricultural show on Saturday mornings. and uh, Yeah, that was kind of fun. And by the way, uh, if you're still into that kind of stuff, listen to me on the rural radio channel of Sirius Satellite XM uh, about 10 times a day. So uh, thanks for that. And Petey, there you go. One more reason to listen to rural radio again. Bobby Moore says, anybody but Prince. Okay, that's fine with me. Uh, still think his band was pretty tight, too. They, were, they, they knew what they were doing. You ever tried to play, dance, and sing? Whew. <laughs> they were experts. Jordan Davis is Chris Curtis's new road trip music choice. And he's putting together a whole mixtape such as it is, not on tape anymore. 
heading to North Dakota from Oregon. Hey, drive safe. Let me know how it works. Donnie Duckworth says, ZZ Top or Cody Jinks. Hey, Donnie, if you like Cody, I just uh, I, I, uh, flashed on uh, Brett Cobb again recently. And then here's an obscure one you might enjoy. Dave Stamey. Just look him up. Yeah. Mike Leroux listens to contemporary jazz. Okay, how contemporary? I mean, are we talking hard bop or are we talking Kenny G? Hey, whatever floats your boat. He claims to be the only hunter in North America to listen to contemporary jazz, and he might be right. Pat McCall uh, says uh, Johnny Cash's version of <clears throat> I've Been Everywhere. I love it, too, for the same reason. He names all sorts of places I've been. In your case, it's Winnemucca. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, the Martin Hotel, best Basque food in town. Tony Hill, the Turnpike Troubadours. Yeah, if you, if you like that kind of roots music, the Turnpike Troubadours are, are where it's at, man. I, I love it. And uh, I'm glad they're back on the road. I only wish I could find tickets in a, in a venue that's close enough. <laughs> George Cummins, Tom Jones. T George, listen to Tom Jones' version of Jillian Welch's song, uh, I Dream About Elvis. That guy can rock. Tom Jones is a much more versatile performer than most people think. I doubt that women are throwing underwear onto the stage at him anymore, but uh, you just never know. David Price likes Metallica. Gilles Thibault, 80s and 90s rock. <laughs> David Klopp says, my dog's whines with anticipation. Don Schur says, that's all I hear. Okay, Louis L'Amour audiobooks for Travis Hampton. Yeah, yeah. I'm you know, I'm big on the podcast now. I, I listen to a bunch of music podcasts, but I also listen to a lot of uh history podcasts. Uh my dog Fred, Ted Nugent, Fred Bear, the song, Jacob Anderson, great choice. I don't know if it's the chord changes in that or or the fact that I know Ted. Uh but Man, the hair is standing up on the back of my neck just talking about that tune. Every hunter should listen to that. Fred Bear by Ted Nugent. Just look it up. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, I could go on all day, especially talking music. Um, okay. Jen Seifert has a, depends on what, what she's hunting. For deer hunting, I listen to Ted Nugent. Sunrise is another song by him. On the way to bird hunting, it's... <laughs> surfing bird okay how many of you remember who performed surfing bird the trash men david lyon he's a tough gong kind of guy hey more power to you grateful dead brian white uh yeah you know um my sister is a friend of bob weir's and uh only after the dead broke up did i learn to appreciate bob weir's own composing skills. Um, Don Williams, well, who else are you going to listen to but Old Country with a name like that? He was one of the best. And the sound of my passenger snoring. I'm presuming that passenger has four legs. Brian Lee Wynn, Little Feet, what a great band. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. The, even good now. Although I wish Lowell George would come back down from up there and and give us a return engagement. <clears throat> um, Kurt Deary, you're so kind. He says, 
Scott, your podcast is so consuming and informational, it is hard to turn off. Kurt, the check's in the mail. <laughs> oh, my. So much out there. Um, I get The consensus is, it ain't Prince. All right, I get it. More votes for Turnpike Troubadour and David Allen Co. I'll listen to David Allen Co. all day because his name is the name of my best hunting buddy. You've heard many stories about hunting with him. Anyway, Glenn Bohm, good choice, all of the above. Uh, hey, I hope you enjoy the drive as much as you, well, almost as much as you enjoy the hunt itself. That's part of the journey. And then, of course, there's your traveling companions, human and canine. So thanks for all your feedback on that. Love talking music. If you've got any recommendations, I'm all over that. So send them all. I don't care what genre. I'm eclectic. And that segment of the Upland Nation podcast was brought to you by Purina Pro Plan Sport. Yeah, learn more at ProPlansport.com. They've concentrated their nutrition to optimize VO2 max. That's the oxygen metabolism that increases your dog's endurance during exercise. Yeah, remember, it's not just day to day. It's over the length of a dog's life and long-term return on nutritional investment. And that's what they're developing. They also have high-protein formulas. Real meat is the first ingredient. All of those together fuel metabolic needs and maintain lean muscle. That's what a dog needs most. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. And speaking of learning, you know how I've improved. I, I, I shot 100% on that Montana trip. And I lay a lot of the credit into the hands and laps of the folks at Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. If you're anywhere near Western Oregon and you got a little time, take a lesson. Dave, Vandy, or any of the other hunting instructors there, they'll focus on your most important priorities and how to hit more birds in the field because we know we're only shooting at birds to put them in our dog's mouths. Learn more at midvalleyclays.com. Mid valleyclays.com they're also sub gauge central so if you're thinking about a lighter gun for this season they've got 20s 28s 410s always in stock call Dave Fiedler see what he's got come on down take a lesson try the new guns and then become a better hunter midvalleyclays.com well that'll do it for the Upland Nation podcast uh, glad you could join me I hope everybody learns something from one or more of the answers to all those great questions boy did we cover the waterfront today if you comment at the social platforms be careful it might end up right here as you noticed today if you left a rating or a review i appreciate that please tell a friend you know one friend if each one of you told one friend about the upland nation podcast man we would have the well we'd have a well, bigger audience than we already have, which is pretty big. And I appreciate you in advance doing that. We're made possible by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Purina, ProPlan Sport Dog Food, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, TrueLock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, 
LandTrust.com and find more information about all of this stuff and other stuff that will be of interest to you at FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. For most of us, the season opens this weekend. Be safe out there. Don't forget to take a friend hunting. Be good to your dog. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. See you in the field. Bye.